The spirit of performance defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura's been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Market insight and analysis. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Good Thursday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer and David Faber. That rotation interruption continues this morning with new COVID cases in the U.S. topping 143,000, 62,000 in hospitals. But encouraging headlines on vaccines, as Dr. Fauci says, this won't be, quote, a pandemic a lot longer. The roadmap begins with the COVID wave. Cases soar, 1,500 new deaths and the growing risks for stocks in the economy. Plus, we are still talking about the race for a cure. Moderna saying it has enough data from a late stage trial of its COVID-19 vaccine and could reveal that data on whether things work and how well very soon. We're also keeping an eye on shares of Southwest. They're under pressure so far this morning. The airline's saying it sees a deceleration in revenue improvements for the rest of the year, Carl. Hey, Jim, we'll start with uh, the balance between these COVID numbers and the expectation that winter is going to be tough. But got to say, some of the encouraging headlines out of CureVac, at least today, saying that this might not be something we need every season because the mutation appears um, less frequent and more stable at basically refrigerator type temperatures. Oh, look, I'm convinced that the people involved in this, whether it be, I'm sure, I actually think we're going to get good news from every, from all these companies. They haven't stopped the trials. I expect good news from Moderna. That's going to cause the market to spike when it comes out. I expect good news from J&J. Uh, I expect good news from Glax is a little behind. But uh, AstraZeneca, each time you get that good news, you, you have a spike up. But here's a problem, Carl. I, I keep thinking, what happens? When do we get it? When do we just go to um, Walgreens and just get it? Uh, and, and will everybody get it? I, I just think that it's just not, you know, I first thought it was going to be March and it's April. I've now lowered my expectations, David, to May. I think that May is when I, I'm pretty confident that I can get it. Okay. Because the distribution, you know, Washington is, is playing a curious role, David, in distribution, don't you think? Not playing a role. It's unclear what role they're playing. Right now, you, you, yes, you are yes. A genius. Thank, thank you. I'm going to keep that on tape and just play it every day for yeah. myself when Absolutely. I'm not feeling good. Well, doesn't it hurt? Doesn't it make you feel like that? That's that, that that's not necessarily the way it should be. No, it shouldn't be. We want we want a national plan for distribution. Plan. Um, we want a plan. Um, You're funny. But listen, I don't know. I've been hearing different things. March, April, May. It's coming, but it's also, uh, as, as Carl pointed out, and as we've gone through the numbers, it's going to be a very tough couple of months coming. I mean, the numbers are staggering. I use the global COVID-19 update. They have a bit different numbers, but you, whatever, 149,000 yesterday. Texas had over 12,000 cases. Illinois had over 12,000 cases. Um, you know, some states are really starting to suffer. We'll keep an eye on hospitalizations, which are as high as they've been 
since the peak of the pandemic back in April. Right. Uh, and thankfully, as we pointed out many times, death rate is far lower. We know how to treat this much better. Um, that's not necessarily drugs. That's just actual doctors understanding how to treat. Right. That's, and so that's, that's a great thing. But nobody wants to end up in the hospital. And so it's unclear where we're going to end up here in terms of further restrictions, not necessarily lockdowns, but further restrictions on the ability to go out and do things because we do know, Jim, how this spreads. And typically that is indoors, people not wearing masks. Well, what's incredible is that we know that no ventilation, indoors, viral load. We, all, we know these things, yes. but we're not really, you know, we're a nation of rugged individualism that does not necessarily uh, want to be able to say that you can tell me anything. You can't tell me uh, that I should do contact trace. You can't tell me to get tested. You can't tell me to wear a mask. And that's our, you know, that's the American way. And I think the American way is uniquely not so great in a pandemic. It's kind of cool when it comes to the rest of the things. You know, Carl, when I look at these numbers, what I think of is at what point when you have Cuomo saying it's going to be, you got to close them at 10, uh, what point is it nine? What point is it eight? I, I, I have a company, Cisco, on tonight. They claim that the restaurants are still OK. But at what point, Carl, does it get too cold? And then the really the absurdity here is, is that a lot of these cases are, are, are linked to Halloween. Well, I mean, Halloween, great national holiday. But what happens when we get to Lincoln's holiday of Thanksgiving? And, and the super spreaders come back, the kids who don't know it. I mean, so what are you just going to It's so looming that I think we can't even pretend that the numbers are ever going to go down. I don't see it going down. Well, ever, ever is a long time, Jim, oh, but I, 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 I know what year. you're saying. Certainly I mean, the, Thanksgiving and Christmas. Yeah, uh, yeah. Right. And that's why Dr. Gottlieb says uh, his family's Thanksgiving is not going to be uh, the way it has been in years past. I see Morgan Stanley takes Costco to 400 today, Jim, uh, keeping it overweight on that sales strength. Uh, if we continue to see the share go away from restaurants back to grocery on your question, guys, about uh, retail delivery of the vaccine. Morgan Stanley does have a note out today. We would expect the U.S. to have enough doses to vaccinate the entire population by the end of Q2. More interestingly, right. though, guys, is we believe the U.K. Uh, could be on a similar timeline while Europe would be three to six months behind the U.S. and the U.K. So, I mean, it's a global issue and there are going to be some who are not first in line. Well, uh, Europe is Europe is kind of a frightening place in the sense that uh, people keep saying uh, they tell me, Jim, you like masks so much. But how about Europe? They were masks. Well, you know, there's no enforcement over there. I mean, there wasn't Spain was able to get under control when it cost you 800 euros if you were caught outside. I mean, you want to get serious. You, you adopt the Spain plan. But then they, uh, you know, they relaxed, and once they relaxed, they came back with a vengeance. Look, 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 we all know where the virus is coming from. It's families that get together, and it's uh, with someone who hasn't been with them in a long time. And, David, when you go to the restaurants. But I, I think that what can happen is there's kind of an ennui to it. No, there's a, there's a level of complacency, complacency at this point. No doubt. And it's very hard not to be somewhat complacent. It's been a hard eight months already for so right. many people. Uh, and it's just difficult to continue to modify your behavior the way that you need to, to make sure you don't get the virus or transmit the virus. But how about the in good China? News, they've they've they, completely changed their... In China, they have managed it much better. Listen, many countries have. We've discussed it many times. I'm looking at Germany, which, by the way, has seen 20,000 cases as a five-day average of 17,000. That's bad for them. But let's not forget only 12,000 deaths there versus 247,000, I believe, here in this country. Um, so even when you adjust for population, nothing even remotely close. But, right. Jim, the vaccine is coming. 
Uh, and, you know, you're in an age group where I would think you'd get it sooner than May. So that's what I thought. Um, I, hopefully absolutely. that's the case. I and, thought that was true. And the 90 percent number is a great number. And we can see what Moderna tells us and we can see what we get from some of the other trials as well. There are going to be vaccines. You know, the fact is, it's not that hard to be immune from this. We know that because there are so many people who have it don't even know they right. have it. One out of five in New York. And so modest changes in antibody levels do seem to have a significant impact on the virus. But and they're trying to news. figure out. And it's just a matter of waiting. But hanging on. But, but Carl, I think that the big issue, again, I come back to Washington. The issue is they don't know whether to give it to super spreaders first, which are younger people or to people who are more at risk. And we don't have a plan about which one to give it to. So when you go to various, I've gotten various doctors tell me various, you're not in, Jim, you know, you're not in the super spreader section. Oh, Jim, you're going to be early in line. And that's why I've come back to think, you know, it's a May issue. But I think that what it really matters for the stock market is you had some momentum coming. Uh, You had Southwest starting to say good things. You had a Disney meeting where I thought that Mm. we were going to hear good things. Disney's going down ahead of the good meeting. So I'm beginning to worry that there are companies that really had your had their hopes up uh, and their hopes are dashed. But there's nothing replacing it until this uh, amorphous May period. Southwest. You're referring to uh, these comments out of Southwest today uh, that they have seen some of the booking strength lose steam in recent weeks. They do point out, Jim, it's hard to distill it from uh, seasonal patterns. Is it related to the spike in COVID cases? Even the company doesn't know. But I, I see what you're saying. Right. I mean, in Phil Abode talking about the race to go to Florida, like my wife, who's moving to Florida to really? in order to avoid the virus. Yes. Wow. OK. Yeah. Airbnb. 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 Yeah. Well, the Airbnb has benefited from this. It didn't appear that that would be the case initially. And they're going to come public. And, they've turned and you want, you want a piece coming, of that. They're going to start, uh, yeah, start a roadshow very soon. That's going to be the Bile, best deal week, between right? now and your end, I think, Carl. You think so? Yes, because Airbnb was supposed to, in, Carl, in March, people were thinking Airbnb. Did, Brian Chesky did those big layoffs. Yeah. It no, turned, it, looked, and the, it looked like the value of the company had been impaired right. because nobody was going anywhere. Nobody was traveling, obviously. But then it ended up being that people want to stay somewhere that they can have full control over and not share with anybody else. Right. They don't want to share. They don't want people coming into the room. Uh, people hate uh, elevators. There's like, like, Carl, there's a pathological fear of elevators. And uh, until every elevator, what are you laughing about? Just it's a funny line. What, what, what am I it's like, Kenny Youngman? It's a pathological fear of elevators. I just, I just flew in from L.A. and boy, my arm's tired. Uh, the, the, yeah. No, no. The, take my wife. Well, the, uh, Otis is doing well. You don't need to well. take your wife. Your wife's going to Florida anyway. <laughs> She's going to Florida because she doesn't want, the, doesn't want the infection. I know Florida's got a ton of it, but I'm just saying that where it's warmer, there is a sense that you can go outside more. And what we've seen, Carl, is, is that there were a lot of people barbecuing. I had Clorox on recently. It was like a Kingsford fall. But it's getting chilly and it's nasty out. And I just think that what happens is you tend to do things indoors. And then when you do that, we got to go back to the Clorox economy, the other side, not the Kingsfords, but the Clorox wipes of which do not use on your face. I made that mistake yesterday. So so this is the period here where you snatch up Kroger and uh, Albertsons and Clorox and the ones we talked about in April and May? Yeah. I mean, uh, GoodRx has a big deal with Kroger. Uh, I think you mentioned the Costco. Costco's got those lanes where you don't feel like you're threatened. It's socially distant. Uh, you have a racetrack. The lanes can handle two. Uh, Dave, when you go to Costco, you know how much space there is between. <laughs> have you ever been to Costco? No. 
You've never been to Costco. Well, I did once. I went and visited with uh, the CEO um, oh, okay. years so ago when I was doing a documentary. All right, yeah, great. Jim Senegal. Well, Very, I've actually shot nice there. There's a different experience from yeah. interviewing the CEO. But, Carl, when you, when you recommend Costco, what you're recommending is the safest retailer because they were the first one to demand mass. Uh, and I'm also looking for a special dividend from them. But you, you don't want – look, we want Darden to be liked, right? We want Olive Garden. Uh, someone – Joe was talking about uh, what, how the bar is doing. When we closed our bar, we realized you can't have people at the bar. They're not allowed to be at the bar. So how do you know, it was kind of oxymoronic. We got a bar, but you can't be there. And now you can't be there after 10, which is. But back to this big picture uh, market thing, um, move that we were talking just a few days ago when we got the great news on the on Pfizer. Right. We saw the move suddenly out of the big growth stocks, out of the mega caps into value. Right. And we said, is this going to last a day? We saw the banks explode. Remember, we saw a number of, I mean, wow, the airlines explode. Uh, is it, is it a, was it a one day or two day phenomena? We asked, and it seems as though that may be the case. Yes, Jim. because of the 10 year, because of the 20 year. I mean, people were starting to talk about the idea that rates were going to go up. I mean, I, I had rocket mortgage on last night. What They're they the largest. They the are. rates aren't going anywhere. They're not going anywhere. Oh, my, look at the rates today off the CPI. I mean, geez, we're back. I guess we're J.P. Morgan. Right, I'll make a prediction. My charitable trust owns J.P. Morgan. I think that this stock, which was at 117 and then dropped to 114, uh, I believe this thing's going to go to 110 today. What's going to go to 110 today? J.P. Morgan. Oh, sorry. J.P. Morgan. Yeah. Yeah, it was at 117 two days ago when I know. everyone said buy value. Well, we had double-digit gains in all the big banks. Well, Briefly was, there, at least, That Carl. was wrong. It's wrong. Carl, it's wrong. I mean, there's not a lot of economic activity. If everybody's afraid to go out, I mean, it's DocuSign, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I know what you're saying, Jim. It was, you know, it was 102 on November 6th, not that long ago. Right. Uh, but your point about uh, core CPI, of course, was flat. We were looking for two-tenths, uh, so that was a bit of a disappointment, even though claims were a little bit better than we expected. And Jim uh, did mention Rocket. Uh, talk about uh, the economy last night on Bad Money. Quick listen to that. The changes that are happening in the work environment, we're not going backwards, right? There's efficiency, there's better quality of life, and so I imagine people will work in the office part of the time, but they're going to be working from home part of the time, uh, and that's why home is, is uh, more important than ever, and we don't see that, that changing uh, anytime in the near future here. Yeah. Right in line with your thoughts, Jim. Yeah, Jay is really terrific. No, they are by far the largest. Their goal is to have 25% of the mortgage market. I think it's possible. Remember, they're all digitized. They're kind of just the way they do things in China. What I thought was incredible, what he was saying, is the value of your home used to be dictated by a, a price, like a Zillow price, uh, during the day, the heyday of Zillow. Uh, no, Zillow is doing very well it now. It's buying yeah. houses. But what he, he was saying is it's now where you, where you uh, learn. It's your school. It's your office. And it's indispensable. And I think, therefore, the house, that whole move from the re- from city to suburb just got reignited. And you know what you need when you do that? You need a car. And I can't wait to tell you who I have on tonight. That's a tease. <laughs> All right. Well, you're not going to tell us right now? Okay, Ford. He's <laughs> got car car. You got, you got Jimmy car car. I, I got it. Jimmy car car. My biggest interview of the year. I'm a kidding. He's, he wants to make cars that are profitable. I know. I think we get an assist, Carl and I, for yesterday having you go on that very yeah. long 
Well, was um, it, there was a, I knew I had them, but you weren't supposed to talk about oh, it. Oh, you so already had them? That was a kind of a uh, build. That's right. called a so build you were building up. up to it? A build up. All right. It was a tease, a build up. You know, Carlos, TV things. But Farley is just. That's how it works. He's dynamite. Farley's dynamite. You know what? We have to go to break. Someone says that in my ear. I say. Uh, let's do that, Jim. Uh, we've got calls uh, today on Home Depot, NVIDIA, Snap, uh, GM. Powell speaks in about 15 minutes. Don't go anywhere. Hi, I'm Ben Rizzuto, wealth strategist at Janice Henderson Investors. Is a brighter future possible? At Janice Henderson, we think it is. For 90 years, we've worked to help clients achieve superior financial outcomes and fulfill our purpose of investing in a brighter future together. We know that this means our thinking and our investments are helping to shape millions of futures. At Janice Henderson, we are committed to helping you invest in a brighter future for the next 90 years and beyond. To learn more, go to JaniceHenderson.com. If you think of it metaphorically, you know, the cavalry is coming here. Vaccines are going to have a major positive impact. They're going to start being implemented and deployed in December. And as we get into the early part of the year, it's going to be January, February, March. More and more and more people are going to be able to be vaccinated. So if we could just hang in there, do the public health measures that we're talking about, we're going to get this under control, I promise you. That's Dr. Anthony Fauci with some pretty encouraging comments this morning on uh, on ABC News. Jimmy also said yesterday he expects uh, mRNA to start to have data to work with within about a week and said he would be surprised if it wasn't as effective as the numbers we got out of Pfizer. Yeah, I thought that was terrific. I mean, remember, I think it's going to be a rolling situation where you get good news from all these pharmaceuticals because you haven't heard any of these trials stop. And I think that what you want, of course, is good news. Plus, as Honeywell said, as Darius Damchik said, but that they have the vials to be able to send. And, and I yeah. think that that is a very compelling story. I want it to be like polio when we beat polio, where we all had to go to the schools and we all had to get the shot. And it wasn't up to us. We just did it. And I think that can happen here. Uh, I think you have to combine what Dr. Gottlieb said today, which is basically, please don't go anywhere until you get the vaccine. And then you get the vaccine and we can beat this. But Dr. Gottlieb's don't go anywhere message, I think, David, doesn't sit well with America. No, it doesn't. Uh, and many people are, are resistant to that. I mean, you see it even now in states where, unfortunately, it's out of control. Well, it's out of control in so many states right now. But um, it's coming. We know that. Uh, there is a side effect profile question, I think, Moderna versus the Pfizer vaccine. Will there, are there a bit more uh, side effects? Is it a higher dose? You know, the, oh, right, the, the higher load. Yeah, the higher load. Um, so we'll keep an eye on that. And then there's the question as to how many people really will be resistant to taking a vaccine. Uh which we've discussed before. Oh, I mean, typically it is still a fairly small percentage of the overall population. It may be a bit larger now, given how much uh, attention has been given to this vaccine and concerns about it, whether it's been rushed, even though the companies themselves, of course, have been very transparent throughout. But, Jim, we have to keep an eye on that, too. Um, 90 percent is, is probably, though, the best news that we got. I mean, it's given so many people seem to expect a far lesser Right, well, of, uh, I, I get the flu thing. shot. We all got the flu shot. And the flu shot is, hey, all right, I probably yeah. got a 50% chance of, uh, less of flu. I thought it would be like that. 90% means just go take it, Carl. I mean, I go take It's a two-part. Remember, it's a two-shot situation. So you got to go twice. Uh, we have to be vigilant about that. Uh, I just wish that we already we had the military involved. We know where it's supposed to be kept in terms of freezers. What we lack is we actually know that CVS and we know that that Walgreens are going to deliver it. I just you know, love a timeline. We all would. We all would. Um, Jim, I wonder, uh, 
you know, Dr. Dr. Mark Osterholm, who's an advisor to the Biden COVID task force, is uh, proposing a four to six week lockdown in this country, which, of course, uh, as David was saying a moment ago, may not fit with a lot of Americans view on what needs to be done. There has been some work, Jim, on Israel, uh, which did have a, uh, a lockdown of a few weeks and brought their caseload down fairly substantially. But um, this is just one one doctor's opinion. Well, look, I, I think that was the president current president ran on the idea that that's the, what the Democrats would do, and America doesn't want a lockdown. I agree with the president. America doesn't want a lockdown. I think it has to be, Dr. Gottlieb has just got this right. It's got to be done by you. We have to just ourselves do it. Right. You, you want to put yourself at risk, be my guest. Don't put yourself at risk. Don't go to places outside your ecosystem. I mean, the guy, is, the guy has been right from the day he started talking. And if I were if I were uh, Biden, I would just say, Klain, go speak to Gottlieb. David, Klain, Gottlieb. You got to pay him a lot of money if you want to get him to speak. Illumina, no, Pfizer. No, I mean, Gottlieb, yeah. He's, he's, he charges big money. Not to us, thankfully, but. Well, how do you know that? Because I know what his rates are. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Rates. Yeah. Woo. Wow. Well, he's, he's a good guy. Yeah, he's great. Is he but good for him. Is I don't he, know if he's he entertaining, but if you want an hour with him, you woo. Yeah. What kind of way he tells a COVID joke? I mean, what's he do at the beginning? No, he gives you his advice about a lot of different things. All right. Yeah. Sounds good. Guys, we'll take a break. Take one more look at futures here as we get the opening bell in about seven minutes. Don't go away. Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to fight rising costs of inflation or pay off your debt or anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, can help. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been helping great investors like you. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just looking for tips, Yahoo Finance makes it super easy by putting all the tools and data you need in one spot. Yahoo Finance takes a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and more. You can securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. That's how Yahoo Finance gives you insights and helps you take a look at your wealth in its entirety. That big picture perspective is what great investors need. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor. YahooFinance.com, the number one financial destination. YahooFinance.com. That's YahooFinance.com. All right, let's get to a mad dash before we start uh, trading for the day less than two minutes from now. Salesforce, name, I don't really think you know much about this company, Jim. Well, David, I know enough to know that there's a fellow by the name of Keith Weiss, and he's at Morgan Stanley. He's betrayed us all. He downgraded Salesforce from buy to hold, talking about maybe some margin problems. Uh, but it's really, if you read the piece entirely, it's that he's basically made, drawing a line in the sand that growth valuations have gotten too high. Because the actual issues here, I mean, he's talking about a few years from now, he's going to be, you know, the company may not be able to grow as fast. Well, no kidding. There's a lot of large numbers. This is a Dow stock. And when I read it, read the piece, what I, I just get the overall feel that he's saying it's over. It's over, this idea of paying too much for these different companies. So, Keith, if this market goes down big, it's on you. All right. I think Keith Weiss felt that I would highlight him when no, I think he goes not. home and his family and says, like, Hey, listen, I'm I let it on national television. By yeah, Jim this guy tra- yeah. I, I'm not trashing. You him. haven't trashed him. He's so he's questioning the multiples, which is no, perfectly acceptable right. thing to do in an environment like this. We've done it a number of times. I've heard plenty of guests come on and talk about Apple's multiple. Hey, I loved it at 13. I'm not quite sure it's 30. Right. 
Well, I, that's what I think. I think this is an important piece because you want to challenge your assumptions here. We've been paying a lot of money for a lot of stocks. Uh, uh, the service now. I mean, I like service now. Uh, the work days. And we have to worry about Snowflake. Uh, we, we do. We have to worry about CrowdStrike. We have to worry about Coupa. We have to worry about these David. You should be worrying. <laughs> i got enough I'm worrying about. Do I really need to worry about Coupa? Yes, you do. All right, Carl. I'm worrying about Coupa now. I feel for you, David. Uh, let's get the opening bell here and see if we can make it any better. Uh, you can see the breath filling in. Uh, Jim, some uh, some individual calls today. Deutsche goes to 500 on NVIDIA uh, oh, from 450. Yes. And we did see some nice outperformance on the chips yesterday. I have to tell you, this happens every quarter to NVIDIA. These guys raise numbers, raise numbers, raise numbers. And then NVIDIA comes out and it can't. It, 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 the whisper is trashed by these guys. They're giving you the whisper number. And Colette Crest, the unbelievable CFO, and, and of course, Jen, Jensen, they can't. I mean, what are they going to do? They just can't equal the hype. So I wish these guys would knock it off and just let the quarter happen rather than get people buying it and then lose a quick $30, $40 when all NVIDIA does is shoot the lights out because they're saying, listen, they're going to shoot the lights out. You need to keep expectations down in order to be able to make this one work. And they're not doing it. They're not playing ball. $332 billion market value. I mean, sometimes you just... I, re- I remember when it was approaching 100 and we were like, wow, NVIDIA is getting to be a pretty big company. Well, it's going to dominate the data center. It's going to dominate gaming. If it gets ARM, it's going to dominate almost all uh, high performance computing. Uh, it, it's going to dominate in uh, automatic driving. It's a lot and, of domination. Well, David, have you ever seen you cannot tell the difference between a human that is drawn by NVIDIA and a human? And that's why these video games are so I don't do it. Dave, when you play the video games. Have you noticed that they look exactly? It's hard. A younger person, I mean, a seven-year-old doesn't know that it's not real. Yeah. Yeah, it's incredible, the uh, graphic ability. I yeah, know no. the, I'm forgetting the term, you know it, but what they've been able to do. Ray Trace. Chips. Yeah, yeah, Ray Trace. Thank you. Hey, right. Right. NVIDIA is just head and shoulders above everybody else, at least a Sue. I'm sorry to say that, uh, when it comes to this one part. And I do think that NVIDIA is, if they get ARM, will be what we used to think of Intel. Intel, by the way, is a shadow of its former self. No, and, you know, these are, the, these are the stories that play out over time in our markets and that we sometimes tend not to follow because we're so day-to-day. But Intel has a market value below $200 billion. As I said, NVIDIA's is now $330 billion, so it is far larger. And when you look at these two companies and the trajectory that they've had over the last five years, to your point, it is very interesting, the decisions that are made by management. And, of course, Intel has had a series, a number of different well, managers at its helm. It was the greatest Jensen, manufacturer. No. It's not a great. It's not a great manufacturer anymore. It's not run by engineers. Uh, it, it's run by a very good guy, but he's not an engineer. And I think that that's the problem. Carl, when we talked about Apple's battery life, 18, 20 hours, uh, they mm-hmm. ripped out mm-hmm. Intel. I remember when they when Intel begged to get in them it was probably what about 20 years ago. They ripped out Intel like it was just, hey guys, sorry. But when you hear the specs of the new of the uh, of the new batteries. I mean, wow. Yeah. I'm no longer yeah, going to be on the hunt for a plug. 
No, John Ford did a nice uh, breakdown uh, and reminder of what we heard earlier in the week in terms of specs. And it doesn't seem like it. there was no friction in, in going uh, back internally on that M1. All sectors, though, Jim, are red. Uh, right. Just a handful of Dow names green. One of them is Home Depot. Uh, Gordon Haskett goes to buy today 315. And I guess it's sort of the inverse of what we were talking about on Monday, right? Yeah, look, I, I thought that that was, I'm not saying it was fatuous because I like Home Depot, but it was, you know, one of these calls which is, hey, I like Home Depot. I mean, come on. You got to have a data point. There was no data point. And, and we don't have a lot of data points right now because we in the middle of, of some kind of weird part of the earnings season. But you got to have something. to Like, I, I have uh, writing a piece for tonight for Mad, for Mad Money, Singles Day. It turned out to be unbelievable for Nike. It was incredible for Levi's. And it was blowout for Estee Lauder. There's a data point for you, David. Estee Lauder. Skincare. Skincare. You've been uh, you've been definitely on that bandwagon, the skincare well, bandwagon. Well, because I've been right. I had Mary Dillon on last night from Ulta. Skincare. Everybody knows that masks are horrible for your, well, they bring out the pimples in you. Right. So you need more skincare to help treat them. Yeah, you can't just use soap and water. It's not working. Right. You know right. that. Uh, but your point, Estee Lauder, of course, has been big in China for a long time. Fabrizio Fred has made that a key market years and years ago. You've been focused on well, it for a very Fabrizio long time. Fred goes there constantly. But the right. singles day, David, it was La Mer. It was La Mer that did it. La Mer. Got it. Yeah, La Mer. Got it. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And they well, like Nike and they like Levi's. No, what's La Mer? I have no idea. Oh, jeez, David. La Mer. No idea. I was just David. hoping it was. I thought you were saying the C. No, I no, mean, no. I, uh, in no, Spanish, it was the C, Carl. It was a product it took by us. Estee Lauder. It's one of the more expensive products. El Mer, I don't know. David, Carl, what do I do with David? He doesn't even know La Mer. Do you know, do you know Joe Malone? <laughs> Have you ever played it? You probably played basketball with Joe Malone. <laughs> I remember Moses Malone, as I'm sure Mo- you do. Fo, fo, fo. No, fan. this is Joe Malone. They've sold a huge amount of Joe Malone, which is a big markup product. Uh-huh. You, you don't know Joe Malone? There's enough to know, isn't there? There's just, there's enough to know. I'm trying, but no. I know, I know that name, at least. The other thing, the C, I, I don't know. Carl, these yeah. ma- they make a lot of money off yeah. of it. And Singles Day was Estee Lauder Day. That's my take. Yeah. Well, Jim, you know, you're referring to China and uh, Boeing did give us their uh, 20 year commercial aviation outlook in which they say that China is on track to become the biggest market. Uh, They see them acquiring eighty six hundred new aircraft for one point four trillion, one point seven trillion in services, Jim. So to the point you were making a couple of weeks ago, and that is uh, how China's recovery has shamed every other global recovery uh, all around the world. I, we remain in a period where American companies will count on it. Yeah, it's ironic, right? Because what was uh, President Trump's ran on and then acted on the notion that China should not be the triumphant colossus. It's going to be United States' time, America first. But the uh, the virus laid us low. Uh, it did not lay them low. Uh, it is so important that somebody has reestablished relations with China, uh, at least in terms of the Boeing side. I know that there, I've been hardline on China, but uh, Boeing stock is down today off that. And I think Boeing stock is an incredible buy, but not if Southwest is saying uh, that, that things are good. Because, by the way, Southwest is a key client of Boeing, and we know that that's been a, not a friction-free relationship, Carl. Um, guys, yesterday, uh, Jim, you asked about SPACs, of course, which we focused on so much this year. It's going to be another feature here uh, today. I'm going to give you some sad SPAC stories. 
What? Yeah, some sad SPAC stories. What's a sad SPAC story? Well, you're going to listen and find out. First of all, as you know, Jim, of course, we've been talking about SPACs so often this year because there have been so many of them. When we say that, that they have been raising so much capital. Take a look at the numbers. 174 by our count so far in 2020. Gross proceeds, I mean, $63 billion has been raised. Average uh, about $365 million. There have been much bigger ones, of course. Over a billion Ackman's out there with the biggest SPAC. He hasn't done anything yet at this point. Unclear you know, what the universe is. But that gets back to it, sort of when you have so much money chasing these potential companies that would look to go public, you do wonder whether the quality will start to decline or whether they're going to have to look in different places. Um, Now, as we pointed out, there are some benefits to going the SPAC route. Speed is certainly one of them. Sometimes you may have a funky ownership structure or there may be some other things that are not necessarily conducive to a public offering, the the traditional way that allow you to go with the SPAC. Also, you want to align with one of these sponsors who perhaps has an expertise in a particular area, a lot of connections, and therefore can be additive to whatever deal it is that you are doing with them. Um, But that said, sometimes things also don't go particularly well. Now, why are we seeing so many? Well, it's a pretty simple answer. And again, to use one of Jim's terms, Sada Voce, what you'll hear is people (laughs) say free money. And that's what it is. It's just free money, potentially, because you issue the SPAC, 10 bucks, Investors can say no. They can. You can basically get have to refund. But if they do a deal, you as the SPAC sponsor are getting some percentage of that company. Andrew Sorkin asked uh, Barry Stern looked earlier uh, on Squawk Box because they're doing a new deal today. You may have seen that. Is it 20 percent? Sternlich didn't really answer the question, but it can be as much as that. And so that's why you're seeing so many of them. The opportunity is simply too good for investors across the spectrum to walk away from the opportunity being to take a large percentage of a company if in fact you can find the deal but again when there's that much money chasing deals well sometimes the quality can start to decline and then we can also see some blow-ups uh there have been a few of course i can go back to nicola right we can talk about that it's still well above the 10 bucks by the way so if you did get in on the actual gursky spac you're still a double but certainly it's been down from where it was um but new ceo is very serious dave all right. That's the first positive thing I've ever yeah, heard no, you say about Nicola. Yeah, no, the guy, is, the guy could be a hitter. I mean, he's actually not raising it. He's, he's giving some good this stuff. This is your typical SPAC because they were not ready to go public the traditional no, way. And so not. they did. And, of course, they had the support of Jeff Ubbin from, uh, well, it's, he was at, uh, at Value Act uh, at that point. But um, then there have been others. There was a Global Blue uh, transaction that uh, had to get completely reworked because their business got caught up in the travel slow down. Uh, and then you've got Multiplan, which I talked about many months ago when they announced this deal. This is one of the Churchill family. Remember, one, two, three, four, and five. They've raised so many. They, uh, they and Chamath Palahapatia, of course, at Social Capital, another serial SPAC raiser. But Multiplan hasn't gone that well. And yesterday, there was a note out from a noted short seller, uh, Muddy Waters. Uh, went on and on. I suggest people read it if they have any interest in this. But a lot of the focus was on uh, a company called Navigard that is uh, basically a competing business that they say is a competing business that's been formed by United Healthcare, uh, and they say uh, that MPLN is in the process of losing that client, United Healthcare, because of that competitor that it has formed in the fo- in the form of Navigard, and that its revenue in 2022 could be. Uh, 
could decline by as much as 23 percent. Uh, as you might imagine, Multiplan uh, responded forcefully to this. In fact, they moved their earnings up from after the close today to this morning. We have some of that for you as well. Their CEO, Mark Tabak, uh, talking on the conference call, specifically rebutting this contention from Muddy Waters, saying United is not leaving Multiplan. Take a listen. United is not leaving Multiplan. This has been an extraordinary customer, partner, and industry leader. We have worked, they have worked with us continuously since 1994 and are continuing to grow their business with us. Navigard is a helpful service and in no way is a replacement for the sophisticated suite of products that Multiplan provides. More here, guys. And I don't have, uh, did that say Miller Tayback or Mark Tayback? Hope it said Mark. Um, there's a lot more here that we need to go through uh, and people need to. But, Jim, it just goes to the point that these, these bear watching closely. Uh, the questions of due diligence by the SPAC sponsor. How much are they doing? And it's all a promotion, right? Everything's part. That's why they all want to come on TV. Yeah, well, did, they all did, want to come on constantly to promote because they want to get that stock price above 10 and they want did to Barry keep it. Did Barry Sternlich say how much? Didn't Andrew ask him directly? No, Andrew asked, is it 80 million? And is that what it be? He didn't. He did point out he's putting in 50 million of his own I think that was money. Important. Of his own money. We should really go to Rick, don't you? Yeah, let's go to Carl. Let's go to Rick. Carl? Yeah. Uh, guys, obviously Listen, being led lower here by. Um, some cruise lines and the casinos. Rick, I will get to you as well. Good morning. Good morning, Carl. If we look at what happened with that long-dated Treasury today, the 30-year, you could see it spiked down at 830 when we had cooler than expected uh, CPI. We also, of course, had initial continuing claims. They were both lower, and we spiked lower. But now we've spiked lower than the 830 lows. We're losing momentum. We do have a 30-year bond auction today. Look at a month-to-date of 10-year even though we are still close to the top of that range, we are losing momentum. You want to pay particularly close attention if we get below 90 basis points in a 10. We're already below 170 in a 30. If we look at what's going on with the yield curve, 10s to 2s, we're coming off some of the steepest levels in three years. Finally, we talk often about the dollar versus the Chinese currency. Here's the Chinese yuan versus the Japanese yen. The yuan is close to year-to-date highs. And finally, a three-month of the dollar index. And you can see we've had a two-and-a-half-cent range. We're in the bottom third of that current range. Carl, Jim, David, back to you. All right, Rick, thank you very much. As Jim said earlier, uh, the good RX CEO is coming up in just a bit here. In the meantime, the Detroit Free Press is reporting that uh, Detroit schools are going to go uh, to remote learning. Uh, not a surprise, not the first city that's done this as we see a rise in COVID cases. Uh, we're back in a moment. Don't go away. Good RX out with third quarter earnings this morning. First report since going public in September. Co-founder and co-CEO Doug Hirsch, a disruptor, joins us now. Doug, always good to see you. Good to hear from you, Jim. How are you? All right. Your excellent uh, letter to shareholders, you say something that's pretty uh, trenchant. For too many, health care in the U.S. is expensive, complicated, and confusing. Every year, Americans pay more out-of-pocket costs and face more insurance hurdles and restrictions. What are you doing about it? Honestly, we are here to just help Americans get the health care they need at a price they can afford. It's what's been driving me for over a decade. Um, we want to build America's leading health 
healthcare consumer focused platform. And we're just so proud to be doing it. You know, I'm so proud to say today that we've done over 25 billion total prescription savings since inception. We're rolling all sorts of new services, especially to help people during COVID and to continue to help people get the care they need wherever they need it. Uh, we've done a whole bunch of new work with uh, rolling out mail order services for both Clorox Gold and Hey Doctor, our, our telemedicine subsidiary. And uh, we're just super, super excited to be able to continue to deliver on what we've promised, which is helping Americans figure out this very complicated and broken healthcare system we have in this country. All right, I'm going to put you on the spot. What if you were uh, President-elect Biden, uh, called you in and said, look, uh, this system, uh, even within, within Obamacare, is nuts. How would you fix it? What would you say? Honestly, it's hard, right? I mean, we've had employer-sponsored health care here for, I think, since World War II, right? And we've mm-hmm. never been able to come up with the right solution. Uh, what I'm trying to do, honestly, is just cons- give consumers all the knowledge they need so they can treat their health care like buying anything else, like buying a TV or buying a car or buying travel. I think consumers should be able to make choices around what health care is best for them and find affordable solutions. Our health care system is just too expensive, right? Americans spend $4 trillion in this country. And I think there's so many ways that if consumers take action and have the tools they need, they can bring that cost down and, and we can... Do it ourselves, right? And look, I hope politicians will help. We've been around for a decade, and we've been waiting for better policies and things to, to fix. But in the meantime, I'm just going to keep giving consumers the tools so they can do it themselves. Well, I first had you on because you saved me $50,000 a year for medicine that was generic, uh, that only one company made. Uh, and uh, it was not my insurance company would not pay for it. How are you able to find prices for something that I'm paying $50,000 a year for that I ended up paying $12,000 a year for? I mean, as I think you know, Jim, pharmacy is just broken, right? Pricing in healthcare is so wacky. You know, the $20,000 Band-Aid, the, you know, the million-dollar drug. And what we do is we just try to bring all the information together. Every day, we get more than $200 billion, if you can imagine this, price points. And we sift through all those and saving tips in various ways consumers can save. And we find the best price for you, the consumer, regardless of whether you have insurance. Uh, we just try to make it simple for people. We try to bring uh, rational thought back to a, an irrational industry. Uh, and it's been such a pleasure to help Americans save over $25 billion. And again, now we're delivering drugs to their doorstep when they need it. We're, we're providing telemedicine services in order to leave the house during COVID. Um, we're just trying to fill any gap we can fill. And, uh, you know, obviously, healthcare pricing is irrational. and We're going to do what we can to, to fix it. Yeah, uh, Doug, it's David. On, on that subject and building on, on Jim's question of a moment ago, though, what are your expectations under a Biden administration in terms of how things are changed and how your business may be impacted or is going to need to change as a result? Sure. I mean, well, first, we have a pandemic to resolve, right, which is, of course, crazy. And, you know, we're all sitting here on Zoom. And um, one of the, the interesting things about the pandemic has been it's really disrupted healthcare in so many ways. It's made every player in the system need to look at how they do business. Right. So things like, for example, again, uh, delivering meds to the house, seeing a doctor online, all these things are, are exploding. And we want to be there to fill that gap. Okay. Um, any new administration that comes in, we've been working on this. You know, we've been working at GoodRx for over a decade. We've seen lots of administrations come and go. And Obamacare is here or it's not. We're here to work with whatever administration to make sure that we find Americans the solutions they need. And, you know, there's always going to be gaps and we're going to fill them. Okay, so, Doug, uh, people looking at the stock and saying, well, these guys had a loss. I know I had said that you guys are profitable. I think I have to explain to people that there were costs to going public that really did impede your profitability. You know, we, um, you know, we're mostly really just investing at this point, to be honest. I am so excited, honestly, to, 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 to fill in these gaps and to be the healthcare front door for consumers. Um, I have all these incredible tools and products that we're rolling out to try to anticipate and engage with consumers. But even before they know they need the healthcare, to reach out to you and say, hey, it's time you know, for a doctor visit or it's time to get that refill, that medication. And so uh, we're going to continue to invest to, be, to make sure that we can you know, cover the whole healthcare gamut, both prescriptions and the rest of care, too. 
All right. Excellent. Doug Hirsch, congratulations uh, on your coming public. You've been with us since the beginning when you were a disruptor. I urge people to look at our disruptor list because you might be able to find people like Doug and follow along and maybe even also save yourself a lot of money as I did. Doug, thank you so much for coming on Squawk on the Street. Call back to you. All right, Jim. Uh, thanks. In the meantime, you see the uh, Dow lower this morning. Uh, Monday's intraday low, by the way, was 29,130. Just about uh, 70 points above that for the moment. We're back to 35.55 on the S&P. Don't go away. Let's get to Jim and stop trading. You know, uh, Barclays had this incredibly thoughtful piece about Microsoft and maybe a $30 billion hidden gem security. Uh, I thought it was great. A lot of people feel that Microsoft's security f- functions aren't as good as, this, as so many others. Uh, this talks about the improvement of, the, of their security. And remember, the security business for in the cloud is a giant business. Uh, I, I thought this piece made me think a lot less of the other companies and a lot more of Microsoft. Very, very thoughtful. So I urge people to get it if they can. All right, Jim. What about tonight? Well, Jim Farley, the I think Ford is going to return to its roots. There's been a wayward, uh, really a wayward company, but a great brand name. By the way, one of the most popular stocks uh, of the Robin Hood. I don't want to see Robin Hood crowd anymore of the people who trade on Robin Hood. Jim Farley, uh, I met him a long time ago. And what he's about is cars. And I know that sounds silly, but you know what? A lot of these companies do, are not run by the people who really are. I mean, look at Intel. Bob Swan is not an engineer at Intel. Jim Farley loves cars and therefore he loves making great cars. And that's what he's about. And he's about making money on making great cars and trucks. I can't wait to talk to him. He's he's a breath of fresh air in an industry where a lot of people are just kind of, you know, hey, I like what I do. This guy doesn't like what I do. This guy's about passion. Passion. I wonder, Jim, if we get back to it, to a discussion, even for a short period uh, where we're talking about factory floors having to shut uh, because of. Uh, COVID cases, and we're back to talking about uh, supply over demand. Really good point, because remember, they did shut down. They uh, One of the reasons why we have tight inventory is they shut down uh, for two months. And uh, Jim, uh, Jim was very eloquent about it in the talk he gave at Salesforce. Uh, so you're absolutely right. I've got to ask him. It's going to happen again. Uh, Jim, we will see you at 6, Thank as you. always, <laughs> as we work our way through this week. Uh, Mad Money, of course, to 6 p.m. Eastern time. You've been listening to the opening hour of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. 